And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Nidaveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard, episode number 213. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. My name is Tom Harris, and we're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. And before we get started this week, I got a couple of shout-outs. First, uh, we have a, a new follower over on Podbean. Mr. Zero Taylor, 1991, and so welcome along to uh, Mr. Zero. And we also have uh, a new Facebook member. Yes, it's been a while since we've had a new Facebook member, but, you know, hey, we're, we're happy for all the members we get. Anyhow, a warm welcome along to uh, Adine Yahi. I hope that's how to pronounce it. It could be Adine. I don't know. But anyway, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, uh, please let me know, and I'll uh, correct that in a future episode. But, of course, yeah, we welcome along uh, you know, to all the people who, uh, join us on Facebook or Twitter or any other place that we are found. And anyway, uh, yeah, so there's actually Thor news this week. After a long spell of not really a lot going on, we've actually got a couple little nuggets here on Thor Ragnarok this week. And one of those, of course, was the big spoiler that uh, Mark Ruffalo and the Incredible Hulk are going to be appearing in Thor Ragnarok, and that'll be interesting. And, of course, uh, we have another uh, little spoiler that just came out today, and it appears as though we may have another Marvel character who we have not yet seen in the cinematic universe. That, of course, being Brunhild, the Valkyrie. So that'll be interesting. I mean, at least that makes sense. It makes more sense than having the Hulk in, I guess. But... Um, you would think of out of all the characters in the Marvel Universe, you know, Brunhilde would be a logical choice. And, of course, I ho- I'm hoping that this time they also have Balder because <laughs> it's ridiculous that Balder is not yet in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's one of the major Norse gods, damn it. So he, he should definitely be in there. Not to mention, of course, that you can't have Ragnarok without Balder's death. So they got to have Balder in there. Uh, hopefully that'll be resolved in that case. So yeah, so interesting week this week as far as news goes. Sorry I missed last week's show, folks. Now, uh, I had intended to actually record a show, but it just seemed as though it just wasn't happening. You know, I had a long weekend, went to Florida and spent some time uh, with the family. I went down there for my niece's wedding. And it was a very long weekend. And, and, you know, as you guys know, I usually record on Monday, but it just... It just wasn't happening. And Tuesday, I had a big work event and had to go to that. Uh, it was a farewell to our outgoing CEO. And, of course, I've been working with uh, our CEO over there since I've been with the company I work for. So, so four years, basically. And, of course, it was a big, you know, big nice party and yeah, a lot of people from work. But <laughs> I, I, I think I would have rather been at home editing the show. But, yeah, it just didn't happen this week. Anyway, so I'm recording this in the middle of the week and hoping, again, to get ahead. I like to be ahead in an episode. And at least we don't have that time 
a crunch kind of thing where you have to hurriedly edit a show and upload it and all that stuff. And, and then next time I need to skip, I, I can skip and you won't even notice. Anyway, so, uh, so here we are. And we have an issue of Thor to cover. So let's just go ahead and move along with our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the God of thunder, mighty Thor. Indeed, in this week we are looking at Thor number 182. Yes, going back to 1970. To be precise, November of 1970, there we have the cover art here is by John Buscema, shows Thor, well, shows Dr. Donald Blake, and he is being held prisoner in the castle of Dr. Doom, and we have Doom looming in the foreground, and he has removed his, his face mask, and, and Blake is uh, standing you know, with this cane in his hand, kind of going, ah, as though he's just seen... Uh, the most horrible thing, and Doom is saying, now that you have seen me without my mask, you cannot leave here alive. The prisoner, the power, and Dr. Doom. Let's get on with it, shall we? We open up to the splash page where we say, you know, the mighty Thor, the prisoner, the power, and Dr. Doom is the name of the story. Stan Lee is the writer. John Buscema is the artist. Inking is by Joe Sinnott. Lettering is by Artie Simak. Ooh. And we start out with Thor, and he's standing on top of a building in New York, and already you can see a difference in you know the, the art style. <laughs> you have buildings that actually look like they're to the scale of human beings. <laughs> and Thor is just sta- sitting up there uh, relaxing from the looks of it. And he, of course, being Thor, he's talking to himself. The city is quiet, serene. Tis hard to believe twas but a day ago that all were in fear of Thor, the Thunder God. Yeah, that was quite a while ago on this show, but it was back in issue 181. Aye, the villainous Loki had worked as evil in the guise of Thor, but now he is banished and mankind is safe. Still, there are many who know not the truth, many who still think that I would destroy them. So it's, it's nice of Thor, you know, as he's talking to himself to uh, bring us up to date on the plot. And so once again, I must earn mankind's trust. And he whips his hammer around and goes taking off across the city. But how shall I do so when they think me their foe, when the very sight of me doth cause panic amongst them? But hold, there in the street below, mine eyes perceive, my ears do hear trouble swiftly brewing. And a group of protesters, they're protesting in front of a purple building, which is identified by an orange sign on the wall as the Latvian Embassy, which just goes to show that... Uh, Dr. Doom was a groovy cat, you know, he could painting his embassy this sort of weird purple. And there's a bunch of young people, and they're car- some of them are carrying picket signs, and we have uh, this sort of, I don't know, kind of dowdy woman, middle-aged woman who's trying to stop them. And I, I guess there's another older gentleman there, too. You young troublemaker, you trying to start a war? We don't want your radicals around here. Leave her alone. She's not harming anyone. You commies are all alike. Who are you calling a commie? And Thor goes landing in the alley nearby, and there's uh, some trash cans and a box of junk, and a cat, a gray cat, who is, uh, I guess, rooting through the garbage. Latveria, tis the kingdom ruled by the dreaded Dr. Doom. 
but why should it cause yon riot in the streets of New York City? And there's some people running towards the protest here, and they're like, come on, you guys, looks like a fight. And Thor, he doesn't want to wade in there as Thor, so he decides to uh, change to Don Blake. My interest is piqued. I must learn more of what doth occur, but not as Thor, immortal god of thunder. I'll go ahead. I'll go instead as Donald Blake, the soft-spoken lame physician. And he kind of hobbles over there as Dr. Blake. The crowd is getting out of hand, and the police haven't yet reached the scene. That means anything can happen in the next few minutes. I won't stop picketing. Dr. Doom is a monster. Uh, she's got a sign that says, End Tyranny in Latveria. Why don't you leave the kid alone? She's got a right to protest, says one of the uh, hippie types. Put out of this, you long-head creep. It's about time those hippie anarchists learn where it's at. Who you calling a hip? Hey, look out! And there's got a fist fight starting here, and they're gonna people brawling. Get smart with me, will ya? And somebody knocks his girl over who was carrying a sign, and she's like, "Don't! There's no reason to." Oh, the girl's been hurt. And Blake then sees, you know, he's got some doctoring to do. Get back, all of you! Get back, I say! This girl needs help. And he's thinking to himself, "It's no use. They won't listen." He gets to her side and grabs her uh, in his arm, and then he bangs his cane on the ground. Okay, then. I gave them their chance. If they won't listen to Dr. Donald Blake, and there's a bathoom, and people are pretty alarmed and, and running away. They'll listen to Thor, the son of Odin. Look, it's the god of thunder. Run, run for your lives. And it's it's interesting that, that as he's transforming, apparently he cast her aside because he was holding her in the panel before and he's not now uh but the next panel he has her again so i i don't know <laughs> everyone goes running and thor picks her up and she's unconscious she's only a child he says and she hath been stricken by a blind unfeeling rabble i know not her cause her reason for protest but to me they matter little now for the child is in need of aid and she shall not find me wanting and so Thor takes off and carries her to Dr. Blake's office and, of course, takes her in through the window because, you know, Thor never bothers to use the door. But where once the power of Thor alone could serve, another power is needed now. And he uh, put her on the uh, table and changes back. And we see the, the uh, lightning striking from outside as he transforms back to Thor. And he says, the power of healing which the mortal Dr. Blake possesses. And the girl wakes up, and uh, he has a, like a cup of water. He's offering her a cup of water. What, what happened? Where am I? You're safe, my dear. You're in the office of Dr. Blake. But I must return. I must be heard. My protest must not fail. Why not tell me what it is you're protesting? What can Dr. Doom and far-off Latveria have done to a girl like you? Your accent is French. You're not Latverian. It pains me to think of it, but I must. I must. You're right. I am French, or I was. It happened a few years ago in the study of my father, Professor Lafarge. And we, we see a scene of uh, this professor, and he's wearing a brown suit, you know, because professors do. And he's got a bald head and a, and a beard. Very, very uh, Dr. Quest almost. It's like Dr. Quest without his toupee. And they are being invaded by these soldier troopers or whatever. They're, they're wearing this gaudy purple uniforms. Do not move. Make no outcry. You are our prisoners. 
Those uniforms, they are Latvian. You were sent by Dr. Doom. And, and it says, Hours later, my father was a prisoner in the royal castle of Latveria. And there in Latveria, Dr. Doom is there, just kind of lounging on his uh, very futuristic-looking uh, chair. You cannot do this to a citizen of France. But I have done nothing, mon ami, says Doom. You have come to visit me of your own free will. You are mad. You know that is not so. Have you not offered to serve me, to construct new missile silos for my use? Never, never will I put my talents to the use of the world's most dangerous monarch. I thank you for the compliment, but alas, you speak too quickly. Bring in the child. My daughter, Cosette, you fiend, you would threaten me with her? Do not be afraid, my dear. Threats, Professor? Who speaks of threats? Enough! I can bear no more. I will design your silos, but no harm must come to my cousin. My sentiments exactly, Professor, and to make certain your daughter suffers no harm, she shall remain within my castle, in my care, until the missile silos are completed. And the little girl's like, Daddy, Daddy, don't let them take you away from me. I'll still view doom, but remember... Only as long as my daughter is safe. Of course, that is why she'll be constantly under guard. Don't worry, Cosette. Don't worry, my darling. And we, we see scenes of, of her, you know, having been, I guess, growing up here in, in Dr. Doom's kingdom. The horrible iron-masked monarch was true to his world. I was never left unattended. And we see here, she's not a little girl anymore. She's actually like a teenager. And there's this uh, old woman that's like, Eat your food. If you grow ill, I'll be punished by his majesty. You keep me prisoner to force my father to work for you. I hate you. I hate you all. But as the months went by and the silos were near completion, they relaxed their vigilance over me until... And it shows her dressed in men's clothing and they're like in a sewer or something and there's somebody trying to uh, get her out. Quickly! These men's clothes will help your chances of escape. I'll never forget you or the other members of the underground for this. And we're back in uh, Blake's office. And so I escaped from Laveria to the sanctuary of your country. But the missiles will be in the silos soon. And with the murderous hand of Dr. Doom controlling the bottom. I know, Cosette. No nation on earth will be safe from attack. And what of my father? What will happen to him when his work is completed? Perhaps it's still not too late. Perhaps there's still one who can help. Who, Doctor? Who could possibly possess the power? There's one man I know. Perhaps I can reach him in time. Go home now, Cosette. You'll hear from me again. I promise. Somehow I trust you. I believe you. So she leaves and Dr. Blake uh, decides he's going to make a phone call. Doom is a king, an absolute monarch. Not even Thor has the right to attack a sovereign nation. But if I could find a way to make Dr. Doom come to me, even he must have a weakness, some chink in his armor. That's racist. And I think I can guess what it is. And he's thinking to himself, the iron mask he wears must conceal some ugly disfigurement. And he's on the phone. Hello, affiliated press? Let me speak to Harris Hobbs. You remember Harris Hobbs now? He uh, was that uh, reporter that we... Uh, had an issue a long time ago who actually went to Asgard here. 
What's that, Doc? You got a story for me? Okay, shoot. Any guy who's a friend of Thor's can get me to listen any time. And we don't hear the conversation, and uh, you know, Blake goes to hang up the phone. That's that. Now, if he'll just write it the way I... What? At the window. That face in the sky. A face that only I can see. The face of almighty Odin. And it, it basically, it's Odin's eyes appearing in the sky, and there's lightning crackling around the building that Blake is in. And he's like... Come to me, my son. Thy father awaits thee in hallowed Asgard. And uh, doesn't seem to have much of a choice. <laughs> he just teleports Thor to Asgard. And he appears uh, in front of this really garishly colored castle. Uh, it is not anything like a Kirby castle, but it is still extremely garish. A summons from my liege. As I be flesh of his flesh, blood of his blood. I can do not but obey. And, and of course, he, he didn't. we didn't see him change back into Thor, so apparently Odin did that for him. And we see Odin, he's sitting in his throne. He's got, he's got of course, the most gaudiest costume imaginable. He's got the blue chest plate and, and shorts and a big wide orange belt. And he's got purple arm armor and a big red helmet and a you know, bright orange cape. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's rocking the rainbow here. My son, stand thee forth. There be words we must say. The time has come to speak of the world beyond. Thy word is wisdom absolute. Thy wish command eternal. But, most noble sire, I beg a boon. Return me to earth where I be sorely needed. Then when my task be done, I'll hasten to thy side. And Sif has overheard what's going on. She comes running in. Beloved prince... Mine ears did hear the world beyond, and fear for thee didst clutch my heart. My lady Sif, be not dismayed. I could not bear to lose thee. So she's channeling her inner Shatner there. And we see Balder come rushing in too. Who speaks of loss? Where Thor be threatened, there shall Balder stand as well. Ne'er didst God or mortal man receive such love as undeserving Thor. And you know, Sif is uh, giving him big hugs. Where thou goest, let thy lady Sif be at thy side, for life is death if Sif must live without thee. Stand aside, both Sif and Thor, says Odin. Mine ears have heard enow. Thunder God, I grant thy boon. Thou shalt return to earth, but as thou came, so shalt thou leave. I say thee, go alone. Upon thy return we'll speak anew of the wondrous world beyond. Homage to the All-Father, says Thor. Eternal be thy name. So say we all, awardedly, say Sif and Balder together. And Thor goes walking away and leaving <laughs> Balder and, and Sif to uh, just mope, I guess. How many quests, how many battles can even the Thunder God survive? Oh, good my lord, if Thor shall fall, the heart of Sif must turn to ashes. I grieve for thee, my lady, says Balder. Thou hast chosen to love a god. And so must pay the price. And we then shift scenes uh, back to Earth. And we have a uh, story in the Daily Bugle entitled, New Plastic Surgery Method Announced. Sensational Breakthrough. Any face, no matter how disfigured, can be made normal again, says Dr. Donald Blake. And he actually is, this paper is being read within the Latvian Embassy by a pair of metal-gloved hands. 
No news but this could have brought me to America, says Dr. Doom. I have wealth untold, power beyond measure. I am the law to myself, and yet my ugliness makes me less a man than the lowliest clod on earth. But if Blake can cure me, if he can make my scarred and battered face seem human once again, then he must, he must, he must! For not even I can bear to remove my grisly mask. Not even I can endure the sight that lies beneath. Not even I, 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 because there's some kind of <laughs> 80s new wave song here. And he uh, smashes a mirror that's hanging on the wall in front of him with a big uh, coltong and a, a scientist type sort of, it actually looks like the, uh, that Dr. Java man from the eighth day he actually looks a lot like him. He's this sort of vaguely troglodyte-looking guy wearing a suit. Majesty, that noise I heard. Are you all right, your highness? Have you no eyes to see, you dolt? Am I not unmatched in sheer brilliance, power, and weaponry? Nothing can harm me unless I allow it, says Doom. Now summon the car at once. Yes, sire, of course. We are calling on, we are calling on, Dr. Blake. We next see the limo from the embassy uh, pulling out of the gate, and uh, Doom is saying, We will have to leave by the rear to avoid any demonstrators who may be waiting. I am in no mood for their overzealous banalities. Would you care for refreshments, Your Majesty? Silence, you clod! I am studying the reports my agents have obtained about Dr. Blake. There is much about him that I find... Most interesting. And he's got this big old book, like a phone book-sized book on his lap, which uh, apparently they do know a lot about Dr. Blake. And we then uh, shift scenes yet again, and the, the limo has arrived at Dr. Blake's office. This is his address, sire. What is your command? Get back in the car. We have only to wait. And uh, eventually Dr. Blake comes tottering out of the uh, building, and he's thinking to himself, I hope Doom has seen the newspaper write-up by now. And he notices the limo sitting there in front of the building. He's seen it all right. That's his big official embassy car tailing me. He's probably inside with the Latverian ambassador. Easy, Doc. You don't dare lose your cool. And they're uh, following him in the car. And uh, the, the car has a chauffeur. So we're seeing a chauffeur for the first time. Reduce your speed, says Doom. No matter what you see, continue to drive on. Yes, Excellency, says the chauffeur. And uh, Doom has like this this weapon, looks kind of like a fire hose or, I don't know, it's like a, a hose with one of those uh, pistol grip things on it. And he leans out the window and he, it's got this um, yellow, I, w I wouldn't call it Kirby Crackle, though it looks like there's some attempt being made to make it look like Kirby Crackle. A sort of weird uh, yellow energy effect kind of zooming off it. And he says, uh, one sudden burst from my molecule displacer. And then, and we see that the, the ray has hit Blake, and he starts glowing, and he's all bubbly and yellow, and he's surrounded by red and orange crackle. And this is definitely supposed to be Kirby crackle. And Blake is like, what's happening to me? All of a sudden, I, I, and he blips away. And there's a, a girl in a, a magenta shirt and purple pants kind of walking by with a, a bag, and she's like, that man, he vanished right before my eyes. And another guy in a, an orange suit and a purple tie is like, I saw it, but I don't believe it. And Dr. Doom uh, is back in the 
And meanwhile, in Dr. Doom's limo, he's telling the driver, Resume normal driving speed, says Doom. He will remain comatose until we are airborne. And we see Blake is in the car, and he's being kept in this sort of bubbly, crackly sort of state. And the the ambassador, this uh, Java man person, whoever that is, says, That weapon, sire, that miraculous ray burst, never have I... Silence, buffoon, says Doom. Do you think I would discuss so wondrous a device with a servitor like you? Driver, to the hidden hangar! And we see the limos driving through a bunch of woods, and there's a bunch of gnarled trees, and... Uh, quickly, says Doom, activate the hydraulic camouflage! And, he, and the camouflage is misspelled, I have to say. And he's like, at once, sire! And he uh, has this, uh, like remote control thing in his hand and it, it makes a, a hissing noise and all of a sudden the, the trees are kind of I don't know what you call it they're they're I guess they're expanding and, and rising up and there's a it's like a hidden control panel inside the tree which means that Doom is a tree murderer because he had to have killed that tree in order to put the device inside Ambassador reaches in and he turns a big knob with a clack and there's a whirring noise as the side of a, a cliff opens, and we have a looks like a one of those uh, what a gyrofoil. It's kind of a airplane helicopter hybrid sort of thing. Now carry my captive into the waiting aircraft, says Doom, and the chauffeur's like, as you command, Sawyer. And we then shift to the inside of the aircraft, and uh, we have Doom and the ambassador and, and blake is just laying there looking normal again he's not all crackly anymore excellency if you take him to latveria against his will am i not ruler of a sovereign state do i not enjoy total diplomatic immunity hold your tongue i can do anything anything return to the embassy your work is done and the aircraft takes off and it, it is very busema looking futuristic helicopter looking thing. Uh, very much like uh, other vehicles that I've seen Busema draw in the past. Not even the United States will go to war over the capture of one lone civilian, says Doom. Besides, I call him my guest rather than prisoner. And who would dare dispute the word of Latveria's absolute monarch? And they're sailing off towards Latveria. And Dr. Blake starts to wake up. And Doom is like, So you regain consciousness. Good. I would have you know that you have been most highly honored. The king of Latveria is now personally transporting you to his imperial palace, where you shall be privileged to serve him. And Blake is thinking to himself, It worked. He reacted as I hoped he would. But I must be on my guard every second. Settle back, Dr. Blake. I am about to increase our speeds, says Doom, by simply retracting the rotor blades and reverting to full jet power. I transformed this ship into a globe-girdling flying missile. A missile which can span the ocean in a matter of fleet minutes. So, there, I guess it's a you know, parabolic orbit or something. I don't know. It, it, it must be. And, uh, and as he says that, the area appears below them. <laughs> and uh, Blake is thinking to himself, Below us? The kingdom of Latveria. We've arrived. So uh, not just minutes. It's uh, really just a few seconds. Why have you brought me here, says Blake? What is the purpose of all this? Follow me, doctor, says Doom. You may consider it a command performance. 
I have learned of your sensational claim that you can make any face normal again, no matter how disfigured it may be. If that is so, I shall reward you beyond your wildest dreams. And they're walking through the castle in their suits of armor and tapestries, that kind of thing in the wall. But if it should not be so, if your claim should prove a hoax, if you should fail me, then you shall learn the fullest measure of the wrath of Dr. Doom. And the butler comes in and he's got a big old goblet in his hand. And, and uh, you kind of wonder how Doom can drink out of it. But uh, apparently he can. I don't see a straw. So <laughs> so rather than have all the like bright lights and a, like a doctor's office kind of thing, Doom decides to uh, dim the lights instead. Now let me dim the lights as I show you a sight no other human eyes save mine have ever yet beheld. Oh my, it's like, it's like a romantic dinner. He's not wasting a minute, says Blake, but I have to stall him until I can find Professor Lafarge. And yet, despite the task I've set myself, my professional interest, my own curiosity have been aroused. I have to learn the extent of his physical disfigurement. I can't forget that I am a surgeon. And Doom has taken his hood off, and yeah, you know, because he turned the lights off, you know, Blake's not gonna be able to actually see what's wrong. But anyway, brace yourself, Doctor. You are about to see the reason for the accursed mask I wear," says Doom. And we have a a, a slow unveiling here of, of Doom removing his his faceplate. He's unhinging the complicated locks on each side of the iron casing. Thinks Blake. I never suspected there could be such power, yet such rare sensitivity in those metal-covered fingers. He's hesitating. Even though he feels I'm his only hope, he can't bring himself to uncover his face. He's doing it. He's lowering the mask. But here in the candlelight, how can I... I... And apparently he catches a glimpse, and we, we don't see Doom's face, but uh, Blake, we see Blake's reaction to it, and he's, he looks horrified. He's like, no, no, no! In the name of heaven, I never dreamt it would be like that! There's nothing medical science can do. Nothing. And Doom is really unhappy about that and um, picks uh, Blake up with one hand and he's like, What? You dare say that to me? You fraud! You contemptible object sniveling fraud! You'll rue the day you ever heard the name of Dr. Doom. And he, he hurls Blake across the room and smashes him into like a little side table. And there's a, a fern and a vase there and then knocks it over with a batam. And a couple of guards come and they're, they grab Blake and they're getting to haul him away. Out! Take him out into the dungeon with him, says Doom. Quickly, quickly, unless you wish to share his fate. And Blake is, is playing... Uh, playing helpless here my cane i must have my cane and they throw him in a cell and they shackle him up like a middle you know medieval prisoner sort of thing the, the guards are like there on the ground you have your cane but you will not need it you will never walk again and blake is in this uh, leaky dungeon there's water on the floor and uh, you can see his cane is uh, just just out of reach from the looks of it and he's uh, chained up, shackled by, by his wrists. And he's thinking to himself, As Donald Blake, I'm helpless, destined to rot down here, or worse. Only my cane can save me. But they've dropped it out of reach. But I must get it. I must. There's far more at stake here than my own life or death. There's the promise I made to little Cosette. And the missile silos in control of the deadly hand of Dr. Doom. 
And uh, while he's saying this, he uh, he's kind of he's taking off one of his shoes and, and untying it, and he's, he slips it off, and it looks like he's going to use it as like a, a fishing hook to to uh, throw out and, and catch the cane. And he throws the shoe out, and he catches it, and he's thinking to himself, "Easy, easy! I mustn't miss. I don't dare to miss." And he throws it out, and he manages to to snag his his shoe on the cane. And he, he manages to uh, whip the cane towards him and uh, picks it up with his feet. And we, we get a good view of uh, Blake's crotch here as he, as he does that. And he says out loud, I did it! The cane is mine again! And so is the power of the mighty Thor! As he, he bangs the, the cane on the ground using his feet. As he turns to Thor, he shatters the shackles that, that are around his wrists. And it's nice, nice touch that they have him holding the... Uh, the hammer in his feet. No barren dungeon shall imprison the god of thunder. And he smashes out of the uh, the dungeon. And we cut to Doom and as he has a, uh, a panic moment. The alarm has sounded. A foreign object streaking across my sovereign skies. No matter what it may be, it can't elude my stalker missile. And we see him launch the missile with a shoosh. And it comes after Thor. And it's chasing after him. And he's, he's Thor saying, do they think to stop the son of Odin with a single missile? My speed is greater than... But stay, I dare not flee it. For if I do, twill fall and destroy yon village below. But if I do not, then Thor must be its victim. Next issue, The Deadly Dilemma. And that is Thor number 182. And of course, we're going to talk about it a little bit. But first, before we do that, we're going to have a uh, promo from one of our friends. Star Trek, comic books, mythology, video games, toys, Star Wars, just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me. Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we are back. And of course, we do have a few things to say about this issue. Now, the, my first comment here is what a big change, of course, between the Bronze Age, the, the way they told a story back then and the way they tell a story now, because this issue is just action-packed when you compare it to the stuff that we've been covering lately in the Girl Thor series. And, you know, it's very much a Stan Lee story, including some of the pacing problems that Stan has. I don't know... is. Is this just indicative of Stanley's stories in general or whether this was just a fault of the Marvel method? But they kind of drag the story along, you know, at a decent pace up until the last couple of pages. And then it has to come to, to a finish all at once. It's like, okay, well, we've gone 19 pages. Then we have to wrap up the, this issue in one page and have a cliffhanger. So we've got this nice little build going and then it just kind of rushes to a conclusion. It seems to me like they could have perhaps pace the story a little bit better earlier on 
And I'm not sure if that's a limitation of Buscema because we've actually seen this with Kirby too. We've seen this with Fantastic Four. We've seen this with other comics that, that Stan Lee wrote as well. Now, to those of you who, who like to pretend that Stan Lee never wrote anything, there's actually pretty good evidence here that you know, this was written by Stan. The dialogue is in a very similar style to the way Stan has always written. There doesn't seem to be an unfamiliar voice present like you would expect if, if Buscema were doing the plotting. So, you know, you know I'm a biggest fan of Kirby as, as a lot of people, but for those of you who, who like to poo-poo the, the talents of Stan, I, I don't think that that's really you know, a, a realistic reality that, that, that Kirby wrote all of, of Stan Lee's stories. But I think this, this issue is, is, you know, goes to show. I think it's just one, one good example. Now, that being said, I mean, it's an interesting story. It, it's an intriguing idea. You know, Dr. Doom wants to see if Blake can fix his face. That was probably the, the totality of the, of the summary that, that Lee gave to Buscema. And so they had to come up with a way for him to get in, hence the, you know, the, the news story. We had this whole thing with the you know, Cosette, and that gives him an incentive to go and rescue somebody. So you know, that's how do we get Thor to, to Latveria. And of course, you know, Doctor Doom is a good villain all around, and not just good for for Fantastic Four, but uh, you know, he's good for you know whatever ails you. So, and is this his first time here? I don't think that's his first time in a Thor story, but a very early appearance of Doom in a Thor story. Now, the whole fake news story thing that doesn't really work very well for me, and I'll tell you why. It's it's one thing to want to capture Doom and to play on his vanity to have his face fixed and. You know, having this this fake news story, but this fake news story was seen by a lot of people other than Doom. So you can only imagine that you know there's probably dozens of other people with deformed faces out there who saw this news story, all of whom now have this false hope that Don Blake can save them. So yeah, I mean it's kind of an assholeish thing to do when you really think about it. So yeah, so generally speaking, art is pretty good. Definitely uh, John Buscema. He's not really trying to ape. Kirby as much as you might think being an early issue. Um, he is trying here and there. You can see a lot of the faces. They have kind of a, a Kirby-ish look to them. You also have the, the scenes of the, you know, the ray beam and all that. You've got some Kirby crackle going on. That's very much in the style of Kirby. We have the uh, the, the limo driver looks like, like Jack Kirby drew him practically. But as far as Doom himself goes, he looks more more like Busema himself, or maybe like a Johnny Ramita Doctor Doom. There, there's certainly a lot. I see a lot more Ramita in here than, than I do of Kirby, and that's just because that's the kind of style that Busema had. I mean, he definitely had more of a, at this era anyway, his artwork definitely looked more like like Ramita than it did like Kirby. So it's it's a more realistic style, though he's trying to do Kirby devices. And he got the you know the pneumatic trees and and the, the the various aircraft. So there's definitely some Kirby touches here in in the machinery and that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, yeah. So that's about it for this issue. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to contact the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us on Facebook or Twitter. And things over on Twitter are pretty slow right now. You know, so come join us over there and make some conversation. Let's, let's get some conversation started. I have to say, I'm still not real good at the Twitter thing. You know, I keep forgetting that I have it. And, and I think, oh, man, I should have said something about Twitter. But 
that's just kind of the way of it, folks. I mean, I've got other things going on other than the show, so sometimes it just slips my mind that I need to think about stuff to post over there. At any rate, have a very happy week, folks, and thanks for your patience with me taking the week off this week. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, riding the Bevrust back to beautiful Chicago. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.